It says in Hebrews in chapter 12 in the verse verse, it says, we are surrounded by such a great a cloud of what? Witnesses. And we're going to talk just maybe a little bit. Hopefully we can get to that and read that particular passage in chapter 11. But, you know, they're surrounded by such a great a cloud of witnesses. Who's that? All of us. You know, some of you are their parents. Some of you are their friends. Some of you don't even know who they are. But you can encourage a young person in the Lord. Because really, truly, not only are they just, you know, younger than us, but, but, but they've got fervor, they've got passion, they've got desire. They want to seek the real thing and not counterfeit stuff. I mean, they're, you know, I mean that, that's, that's what they want to do. They just want to worship God and be who God called them to be and change the world and change their friends and change their school. And, see, they want to do all those kind of things. But somewhere, if you're not encouraging them, somewhere along the way, they're going to become discouraged because the enemy doesn't want to see that in their life. He don't want to see those things happen. He knows the plans that God. He's thinking, I don't want this to happen. So he begins to all of a sudden, piece by piece by piece by piece by piece, tell them that it's not cool, it's not fun, it's no good. You're not going to ever make it. You're never going to see it. But if you can break all those things in your children's life, if you can continue to encourage even when they're not doing maybe everything right, if you continue to speak those things into their life, see, give them opportunities, encourage them, love them, then it begins to build on the inside of them. See, they begin to they begin to think that, wow, I, I really can do it. I really am somebody. See, they begin to do that. We're all examples of that somewhere in our life. Hopefully somebody has encouraged you to the point where you are today. I'm glad I had people in my life that said, come on, man, you're better than that. Come on, you can do it. Every time I did something good, they were like, yay! I mean, even now, when I do stuff good, I'm 42. I may be announcing a game, and I look down at my mom, will turn around and clap at me. (laughs) Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Glad you came to the game. (laughs) To hear me announce makes me feel better about myself. (laughs) But see, everybody needs, you see, we all need that. So encourage those kids when you see them out there doing things that are good. When they're not doing things that are good, love them. Wrap them in the head a couple times. Be thankful they're not yours. (laughs) But I'd ask this question. This is really what I want to share tonight because we we talk about, you know, all of these things over the last couple weeks of believing that God will make a difference in all these things. But, but that is true, and that happens if you know who's in charge. See, the battle is whose. It's the Lord's. So who's in charge of you? See, who's in charge? Hopefully the Lord. Hopefully you say, God is. See, who's in charge of your situation? God is. Who's in charge of your life? God is. Who's in charge of your kids? God is. Who's in charge of... See, it's God. God. God's in charge. And when we were... Uh, when we were raising our, our, our littlest one, Rach, and she's not little anymore. She's as tall as me, and she's 17, and she's in a, a senior in high school. And the problem is every, we all want to be in charge of everything. I mean, you, you know, you get a committee of people, and you got 12 people who want to be in charge, and nobody wants to follow. And I mean, it, it seems to be that's the way that, that we are. We always want to be, we always want to be in charge. We, we, we don't want somebody else to, we want to lead. And, and, you know, God's called us to be leaders of men and all those kind of things. So that's important. You have, to be, you have to understand leadership and influence, and you have to understand who you are in Christ and what the dominion that he's given us. But in our life with him, in the path and the plan that he has for us, he's in charge. And if you're not going to allow him to be in charge, you're, you're, you're doing nothing but fighting against and kicking against those goads. I mean, you're, you're going nowhere in your life if you don't allow him to do it. But I'm trying. It doesn't matter how hard you try. But if you let God be in charge. See, I mean, Austin doesn't even know how to play the guitar. I mean, Austin, he doesn't, he doesn't know how to play the guitar. He's just learning. He's trying to figure it out. He's saying, God, show me how to, you know, he loves that song and he loves to worship. So you know what he did? He got a guitar and he learned to play like this. And he's just, he's, he's finding his way through it because he loves God so much that he knows God will show him. God will show me. 
God will show me how to do it. You know, now Corey will come alongside and kind of help and Brandon, you know, and kind of guide. And, you know, there's instruction just like the word. But he loves God enough to say, I don't know what I'm doing, but God does. And when we were raising our, our, our littlest one, Rach, she wanted to be in charge of something. Because everybody had, you know, we were, we were the mom and dad. We had, she had grandma and grandpas and everybody, and everybody got to be in charge of something. But she, she wanted to be in charge. And she was only like four, three or four. I don't know how old she was when all that was going down. But even Daniel, you know, he was kind of in charge of her because he was four years older. And when, you know, so he was kind of in charge. So she was always walking around. She was always upset because she wanted to be in charge. And so she finally had to talk with her mom and say, well, I want to be in charge of something. And uh, her mom said, well, okay. She goes, can I be in charge of this? And she said, no, no, you can't be in charge of that. You go, can I be in charge of this? No, no, you can't be in charge of that, honey. Mommy and daddy are in charge of that. You know, can't be in charge of this. Can't be in charge of that. Finally, she said, well, can I be in charge of my room? And Elizabeth said, well, yes, you can be in charge of your room if no one else is in it. Yes. You know, she's only four. So, man, she would go in her room and shut the door, and she was in charge of whatever was in there. There's nothing going on, but she was in charge. See, even that size, I mean, she's four years old, but she has this desire to be in charge of something. And, you know, some of that's leadership quality and all those kind of things. But, but really, as you're trying to train your children, you're trying to just rely on me. See, she had a job to do what? Go have fun, honey. Go live a great life. You don't have to be in charge of anything. Don't worry about stuff. Don't worry about whether things are going right. See, we love, all you've got to do is just, just be a happy girl. Just be obedient to mommy and daddy. We'll take care of everything. We'll make sure that you're fed. We'll make sure that you're clothed. We'll make sure that you have all the toys you need. We'll make sure that you have all the opportunity. You get to do nothing but have fun, sleep, play. I mean, that's all you have to do, honey. We'll take care of everything else. But I want to be in charge. See, I think sometimes as believers, we get that same kind of thing. God just wants to do nothing but pour out whatever it is on us, and he wants to bless us, and he wants to take care of us, and he wants to pour. But we want to be in charge. It doesn't stop at four. Molly's just 18 months old, man. She wants to, she wants to run the show all the time that's what she says and everybody in the house goes okay okay <laughs> you know so she's figured out you know at 18 months how to be in charge people don't want people telling them what to do you know i mean that that's an issue and that's an issue in the home that's an issue in parenting and children and that's i mean a lot of things happen in there if you don't follow the authority structure that god's set up in your home the thing that God set up in this country and your life and all. People want to get out from underneath all that. Why? So they could be in charge and nobody will tell them what to do. But when you get outside of that, you get outside of the covering of your home. You get outside of the covering of that, see, the government. You get outside of the covering of the church. You get outside of the covering of God. If you're going to say, I don't care what you think, I want to be in charge. Rachel could do that. And she could go do her thing and then she's going to be in trouble along the way. She's four years old. There are a lot of things she doesn't understand, doesn't know yet. And we're supposed to be looking out for her, taking care of her. God wants to look out for you and take care of you. He's the one who says, the battle is mine. That doesn't, it doesn't just like all of a sudden take away all the responsibility from us. What it actually does is it empowers us in that responsibility to do what God called us to do. And if you want to look, we're going to go and, and, and look just a little bit in, in first, I guess we can, we can start in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 because... Who's in charge of your life? It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you're bought with a price. It says, therefore, it says, therefore now glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. He says, he says you are bought with a price. You know, and, and as a parent sometimes, I mean, I guess you could say to Rach, and I, we didn't do it that way, but you're mine. <laughs> you know, you can't, you know, we didn't, we didn't do that. 
God doesn't lord that over us, but it does say, hey, by the way, psst, you're bought with a price. You're not yours. And in Galatians in 2.20, it says, the life that I now live in Christ, I live by faith. So it says, and this is the, that's the message Bible there. It says, Christ's life showed me how and enabled me to do it. I identified myself completely with him. Indeed, I have been crucified with Christ. The New King James says, nevertheless, I live. And it goes on and it says, my ego is no longer central. Say ego. See, that's the you. The ego is no longer central. It is no, no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. And I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God who, who loved me and he gave himself or died for me. It's no longer my life. See, it's that we, just, we, we quote that scripture, we talk about it, we sing it, you know, but it's not my life anymore. So who's in charge then? I mean, if it's not yours, he bought it, paid for it with his blood at that price, and it's his. So he needs to be in charge. I mean, think about that. If you bought your car and you own your car and that's yours, you're in charge of your car, somebody else is going to come and take it and do whatever they want to with it. Well, no, that's mine. But God says, well, okay, here's, you know, I guess if you're going to go drive, you know, here, here's the keys. I, I, I know it's mine. I bought, I bought it. I paid for it. But you can drive it into a tree. That's your own, that's your own thing. And hopefully don't, you know, hopefully don't wreck that. But, but God, God is not a pushy guy. You have, but you have to live by faith. You don't get a choice. You don't get a chance. And in Hebrews, you know, in 11.1, 1, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And if you go back, and I said, you know, in Hebrews chapter 12, there's all those, you know, great a cloud of witnesses who were looking around. But if you go back to Hebrews in chapter 11, it wasn't just people who by faith were people. It was people who by faith did something. See, and the battle that they faced, the situation that they faced, the circumstance that they faced wasn't theirs. They faced it, but it was God's, and he was the one who did it. He's the one who took care of it. And we said last week, you know, if you can believe that he can make the difference, because it's his battle. We'll go back and we'll look at three little portions of Scripture there. But as you go back through, you know, it says in, in Hebrews 11, 1, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And it says in verse 6 that without faith it's impossible to please God. Because him who comes to God must believe that he is, God is, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then if you go on from there, then it talks about Noah. And it says, By faith Noah, what? Being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear. He built the ark. And then if you go down, it says, by faith, Abraham what? Obeyed when he was called to go out to a place where he didn't know he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land in verse 9. In verse 11, it says, by faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. Now that's, I mean, think about, you know, we've already talked about that plenty over the last bunch of weeks. 100 years old. They had, you know, I mean, they had a baby. That's odd enough. Don't let your mind go there because that's 100-year-old people. There's things you got to do to have a baby, and that's just not... <laughs> I, I just, all of a sudden today, I was just like, oh, sorry. sorry, had to let that out, let somebody else think about that for a second, it was freaky, stop you cold in your tracks right there, but if you turn the page, it says, by faith, Abraham then took Isaac, See, it wasn't by faith they just received the promise and went on their way, by faith they went through stuff, did stuff, saw stuff. But it was God. See, it was by faith. That meant it was not them. It was God working through them in those situations. And in your life, it's God working through you if you allow him to be in charge. 
If you allow him to be in charge, he'll work through you in those places and in those times. You don't get discouraged, it says Abraham never wavered. See, you don't give up, it said it took Noah all those years to build that ark. You know what I mean? It's like, it's all of those things that have happened along the way. But they didn't give up, they didn't give up, they didn't give up. God was in charge, God was in charge, God was in charge. By faith, it says, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Joseph, when he was... When he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. By faith, Moses, when he was born. Moses gave up, right? Moses gave up the birthright to go be with the people. And then if you go on, it says, by faith, and this is verse 24 that says that, then he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. By faith, he forsook Egypt. By faith, he kept the Passover. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea. It's by faith they did. By faith they did. By faith they saw. By faith this happened. And in your, they, but these people are ones who said, "Okay, God, you're in charge. I got no clue. I got, no, I got, I got no answers. There's, there's obviously no way. I mean, it's the Red Sea. We got no chance. Look at Exodus in chapter 14, because you may face that. I mean, we don't necessarily maybe face the real river. I mean, you could pretty much flat out walk across the Wabash." I mean, that's not, you know, the, the, the river level was 1.88 feet the other day. So, I mean, that's like knee deep. So you're not going to probably go under. You know, you could probably run across. This wasn't that particular thing. But they, you may face something in your life that is like that, that's insurmountable, being pressed and crushed on both sides. The Red Sea in front and Pharaoh and all the people behind them. And if you go back to chapter 5 or, or verse 5 in, in Exodus 14, that's the story and where it starts there as far as Pharaoh's heart then being hardened again you know as they moved out and they did what, what God told them to do it looks like you know how many of you know it looks like yes we're out and then Pharaoh goes oh we let him go let's go get him again and you're thinking hey I just got out of the desert things are good and then they come up into the Red Sea they got Pharaoh's army behind them but God had told Moses all of this and said this was going to happen and it says in verse in verse 9 so the so the Egyptians pursued all of the children of Israel all, all of the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his armies, and overtook them camping by the sea. In verse 10 it says, And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched, them, marched after them. So they were very, what? Afraid. They were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Because there were, there were no graves in Egypt, you have taken us away to die in the wilderness. You know, they do that thing again. They do that all the time. And then in verse 13... It says, you know, I mean, I get tired of reading that one. You know, it's the same thing. And then God always says, well, that's what you tell me all the time. So, no, not really. But it says in verse 13, And Moses said to the people, what? Do not be afraid. Two verses ago, it said the people were what? Afraid. But Moses said what? Don't be afraid. I can't tell you that, that, that what you face, I mean, it's a big deal. The things that you face in, in, in the natural are big deals. But to God, see, he's going to take care of them. If he's in charge of your life, they're not a big deal. They're not a big deal to him. They bring the opportunity for fear, but what do you do? You resist fear. It says you don't have a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7. Because in 1.6, you've stirred up the gift on the inside of you. So it does, that says that the, the opportunity for fear comes, but the way that you overcome the thing and the fear is to stir yourself up in the Holy Spirit. And as you begin to stir yourself up, in the fear has to leave because fear and faith can't reside in the same place. And see, Moses, what did he say? They said, we're afraid. And he said, don't be afraid. Why? Because we, we have to act in faith. And you can't act in faith if you're in fear. You've got to know whose battle it is. 
I mean, we're out here, and I guess we're like the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. You know, I mean, we got to do that thing. Did you ever play that as a kid? There's no skill to that game. You just press those buttons as fast as you can. Maybe God's pressing your buttons as fast as he can, but, you know, that means you got to go like this. But eventually, you're going to, and the little guy's head's going to come up. But see, you can't have fear and faith operated in the same place. So the fear comes. That's, I mean, the fear is going to come. All of a sudden, you're going to feel afraid. Feelings are the voice of the flesh, though. That's not the spirit. So when you feel that thing coming on you, what do you do? You begin to rebuke that thing in the name of Jesus, and you begin to speak in tongues. The power of the Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you, and that takes faith. You can't do that without faith. It says that you receive the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life with evidence of speaking in tongues by faith. It's not a pill that you take, and it's not something that you drink, and it's not a class that you went through. See, the grace to do the things that God called you to do, it says you receive the abundance of grace by faith. Salvation came how? By faith. And it all operates and works in love. I mean, you've got to have love. But you can't have those two things together. And Moses said, don't be afraid. He goes on and he says, stand still and see what? The salvation of the Lord. You may be facing a Red Sea thing with people behind you tonight, but tonight's the night that you're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Well, we're not even in that place right here. I mean, this is church. Well, it doesn't matter spiritually. See, you've got to know who's in charge. You've got to give it up. You've got to give the reins up and say, okay. And it goes on, though, and it says that you'll see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Not that you will accomplish, not that you will do, not that you... See, he will accomplish in you today. Again, who did it? He did, because he's in charge. Well, I've been facing this thing for a long time. Well, it took 30 years to have a baby for Abraham. I know everybody giggles now because that same image is going back in your head. So It says, the Lord, in verse 14, will what? Fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see no more forever. The Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your peace. Be quiet is what it says. Hold your peace. That doesn't mean like, I'm in peace. It means shut up. <laughs> Don't talk your mind. Shh. <laughs> There's a difference. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to what? Go forward. Why do you keep coming to me? I said, go forward. And then it goes on. It says, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And it happened just like that. But see, there were a few things. They had, they, had, they had to not be afraid. Because you can't operate in faith and fear. See, we all want to be in charge. But being in charge means you, that's you, not him. And when it's you, not him, that's self and flesh, not spirit. And that means you're not in faith in that moment. You're in flesh. So you can be scared, and you will be scared. But if you'll rise up into who God called you to be. See, abdicate all of that stuff. Give the reins up and say, okay. Every now and then we go like this. Are you sure? For real, because I'm about to do it. And what's God say? It's for real. Let's go. Have you, has he ever let you down when he did that? See, when Moses raised his hand, the people went forward. They didn't even get wet. It says they went on what? Dry ground. It wasn't even like they got, you know, all splashed and muddy. I'd have been swimming. You know, I mean, how many of I mean, I like a chicken. I mean, I'm like, ah! I'm jumping in the water. 
you know, I'll do it. But they didn't even have to do that. It says they walked on dry ground all the way across. See, when they came to Jericho, God said what? Go walk around the thing? Huh? And then the last day, go walk around seven times? Huh? And then what? Shout? Joshua didn't say, he said, yes, sir. Gotcha. He went back and told them all and then said, shut up. Don't say a word. Y'all got me in a lot of trouble the last time y'all started talking. It wasn't them. It was all your kinfolk, <laughs> you know. But see, whose battle was that? It, it was not theirs. It was theirs to act in, but it was God's to perform. And in your life, the thing that you face, that's God's to take care of. He may use you to do something in it, and you're going to have to more than likely act and walk in faith. Yes, you're going to have to speak. Yes, you're going to have to believe. But I am guaranteeing you, you are going to have to walk by faith. I mean, we want to hide in our house, and we'll just confess twice as much. We'll just read the Word twice as much. We'll praise twice as much. But don't make me go outside. <laughs> That's somebody who doesn't know who's in charge. Because you're thinking that now twice the prayer, twice the word, twice the praise, that'll make up for me not doing what God asked me to do. Because, you know, I don't know that he can do that. Oh, I would never say that. Yeah, but you hide it in your house and thinking that twice of this is going to make the difference. When God just said, just go out and crawl across the street. Just step out. Just raise your rod up and walk across. Well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, no, it might not make any sense. If you go and you can turn in just a second and go to Second Chronicles in chapter 20, it's Pastor Bill's one of his favorite passages that he shares all the time. Because sometimes there's a river in front of you and then there's all those people from Pharaoh's army behind you and they're squeezing you in that place. Other times you're looking at an opportunity to take over the city. You're looking at an opportunity to, like in Jericho. So you're looking at an opportunity to, to capture and, and to bring in. They weren't being pressed on any side. They weren't in the same situation as the children of Israel. I mean, they weren't, they weren't the children of Israel. They weren't in between the Red Sea and Pharaoh behind them. They were actually looking onto this city, and the people were so scared of them that they'd shut up the city. So they were facing an opportunity to conquer, but they didn't know how to conquer. See, God will even, if you'll get out of fear and all those kind of things, get into faith and allow Him to take charge of your life, He will make a way for you to reap. He'll make a way for you to conquer. It's not just always a way out of a bad place. It could be the way into the good place. See, those are, those are different situations, but they all came down to the same thing. you got to do what God said because he's in charge. And what did he tell Josh? The, the, the angel said what? Take off your shoes, pal. It's holy ground. And the, that was the beginning of the conquest of all those things. Conquest, see, that's good stuff. It wasn't like run scared. It wasn't like, oh my goodness, we've been out into this wilderness to die. These were all the people who've come across that water again and now are getting ready to reap. And how are you going to reap? Well, you're going to do it God's way. If that's giving, then we give. We don't stop giving. You don't get an opportunity. God said to do what? To give. He said to rebuke the devourer. He'll open the window of heaven. It says that men will give unto us, press down, shake it, running over. I mean, all of those, all of those things, they all, they all, see, they all come after us doing what? Giving. They didn't just get up one day and say, ah, let's just go around seven times and yell. They could have just got up in the morning and went, yeah! 
might not have gone well for them. Then they might have looked out and said, whoa, hold on. <laughs> They're not nearly as tough as we thought. Come on, get your horses. Let's go take these guys out. They had to go seven days. They didn't just go, okay, what's the rest of the deal? Okay, well, let's just go to the seventh day and just do that. See, the children of Israel, they, they, they got in a place where they couldn't turn back and they couldn't go forward, and all they had to do was look to Moses, and Moses said, look to God. Who's in charge? So Moses stretches out his hands, the thing opens up, and off they go. And if you look in 2 Chronicles, in, in, in chapter 20, you can look in verse 13, it says, Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives, and their children, stood before the Lord. Because if you go back, you know, and you, and you look in verse 4 and 5, it, it, was, it was Judah was gathered together to ask help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. See, they'd all come together. Why? They said they were going where? To the Lord. They weren't asking Oprah. I mean, they, they weren't. I mean, it wasn't about going someplace else. I mean, it was going to seek the Lord because he's the one that could help them. And where you are tonight, you're here in church. This is the place where you're gonna, God's going to help you. So you have come to the right place. We're not much unlike these people. Where do you turn in those times of need? Most often, whether it was, you know, us making the trouble or not, most often we turn to God and say, oh, I've made a mistake, I've messed up, help me, help me, help me. See, and they came and they said, help us, help us, help us. Jehoshaphat, it says, he stood in the assembly of Judah in verse 5 and in Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God in heaven? He's saying, help us. We don't know what to do. In verse 13, now all Judah with their little ones and their wives and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And he said, listen, all of you of Judah and your inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, just this says the Lord to you, what? Do not be afraid. Do not, so they were afraid. Don't, see, they all came to God afraid. But he said, don't be afraid. afraid. See, fear and faith don't work together. And if God's going to be in charge, if he's going to be the one that's going to get them out of the situation, if it's going to be his battle that he's going to fight, then they have to operate in faith. And you can't operate in faith and fear at the same time. Now, I didn't write a message all about fear, but if you, you must be somebody around here that's got some fear issues. I mean, that's all made fear. See, fear comes. That's a real thing. That's a, but we don't have to, as believers, see, we don't have to receive that. It is real. Fear is real. It's a ploy and a trick of the enemy, and it comes upon you. But then you rebuke that thing in Jesus' name. See, the power of the Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you. That's why you've got all the armor, all the stuff. I mean, you've got all that to what? Fight all these things. Because you have to remain in what? In faith. And you can't be in fear and faith at the same time. It begins to make you double-minded. It begins to make you unstable. And all all of a sudden, blah, 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 blah. Because they fight against each other. See, fear and faith don't work together. They don't mix. So you have to pick which one are you going to be in. I heard somebody say one time, just be in faith and do it afraid. Whatever you got to do. Do it afraid if you have to, but do it. I don't know where I stand on that, but it says, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid or dismayed because, the, because of this great multitude, for the battle is what? Is not yours. Not only did he say, Hey, the battle is God's, he didn't just say, Don't be afraid, the battle is God's. He said, Oh, and by the way, it's not your battle, the battle is God's. 
That's a little stronger than just saying the battle is the Lord's. He said the battle is not yours. It's God's. So whatever you face right now that's coming against you in your situation, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's relationships, whatever that is that comes against you, realize. See, you go back to the treadmill living, and you go back to the you got to believe, and you go back to the God will make a difference, and you got to go back to the faith, and you got to go back to the construction, and you got to go back. See, you go back to all of those things, and you got to go back to Sunday's message, and, and talk, you know, I mean, you, you can't have a, a, an affair with the world. Why? Because it takes you right out of faith. So you can, you can do all these things. And we all make mistakes. And we all find ourselves in the same spot that they did. Oh, God, help us. That's okay. What did God do? He helped him. See, the, the good part of this whole thing is he helped him. He didn't say, no, this is one too many times. You just go on out there and get whooped a little bit and then come back. He didn't say that. He said, now, hold on a minute. Let me correct you. So he said, as you come and you say, God, help us. We don't know what to do. We're surrounded by all these people. And are you not the one that took us out of Egypt and brought us all these places? They're trying to remind God of who he is and what he did. And he said, okay, okay, okay. Listen, don't be afraid. First of all, don't be afraid. See, what did he tell Abraham or Moses first? Don't be, tell people, don't be afraid. Then what? Then lift up your things and walk out. See, and he, and he told them, don't be afraid. The battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. Then the next verse says what to do. See, first you've got to quiet. Have you ever been around somebody like that? When they're just like nine times the crazy going up the tree, they're just all freaked out. And you've got to do what first? Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. It's okay. Breathe. I always told them, in with the good, out with the bad. Come on, a couple more times. A couple more times. Okay, sit down. Have you ever been with somebody that's calming like that? Pastor Bill was always like that for me. It was very calming because I had a tendency to sometimes get a little freaked out. And it was very good to come in with Pastor Bill. And then he would just, I don't know what he did. Maybe he put something in my drink. I don't know what he did, but it made me like, <laughs> it, made, it made me go like this. Oh, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> what I found out was it's just that office. It's hot in there. There's a lot of days they come in and I'm like this. You get that heater cranked up in there, and you're liking it. You're like a reptile. After a while, you don't realize it's 140 degrees. It's just cozy. <laughs> You've been in there. You know what it's like. I mean, it's just kind of... But see, they, they, what do they do? They, they get all that stuff. They get all that fear. They get all that afraid. They get all that self. They get all that pride. They get all that stuff. They get it all out of the way here. So then all of a sudden, your spirit man gets to rise up on the inside. Now all of a sudden, the truth is complete. You know the truth, but you're so jacked up in fear, and you're so messed up in all the self and the flesh and all those things, you can't, you can't even understand the truth. So now all of a sudden, all that started to get out of the way. And now all of a sudden, on the inside of it, it's just like, oh, yeah. Now I'm not saying I left the office and did everything right after that, but I, I left the office thinking, you know what, God, you got some good stuff going on. Let's go. And as long as I stayed in that line, see, as long as I stayed in faith and not the other direction, things went well. And then when I didn't, I just got to come back, sit in my chair, <laughs> and just get it again. But see, if you go back through here, it said, Tomorrow go down against them, they'll surely come up by the ascent of Ziz, and then you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. So you will not, and they're thinking, hey, hey, <laughs> good stuff, because I didn't want to fight. I was scared. 
But see, now all of a sudden, I would assume once they get rid of that, it says, don't be afraid anymore. The battle is not yours, but God's. That's the thing, like we said last week. That's when you get a little tougher. Oh, now we're going to do it. Now let's go. And God says, well, now you're going to go sing. Huh? I got to sing? Why do I need to praise? Why do I need to come to church and praise? I want to just do some slaying to the devil. God says, just praise me. Okay. You know, we talked about it back in the summertime somewhere, you know, in Jericho. Those guys were trained men who were fighting men. These were people who were trained. They were warriors. They, they, they weren't screamers. I mean, could you imagine, like my cousin Rodney, all dressed up in his SWAT gear, walking around the house seven times at some guy's house out in the county? That doesn't make any sense, right? Rodney's just going to mow the house down. He's got more things in his... He's got a whole... Well, anyway, you don't know anything about that. It's, it's, don't get in his trunk. It's, it's a mess. We had the fireworks one day upset up underneath his trunk, man, and everybody was freaking out because he's got more stuff in there. He'd blow the whole neighborhood up. We were kicking fireworks out from underneath his car as fast as we could. But think about it. He's a trained specialist. See, and God, and God said to these guys, march around seven times and then yell at them. Think about it in your, in your, I mean, but see, whose battle was it? See, now they're trained to do this. They're trained to, to be men in, 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 of, of, I mean, they're going to go out there. They're men of valor. They're going to go out there. They're, they're men of war. I mean, they got the swords and the whole stuff. And I mean, I bet they can really take some people out. But if you're going to, if you're not going to be afraid, if you know that the battle isn't yours, it's his, then you'll do whatever he says to do. However, he asks you to do it. And in that particular case, he said, march around sometimes and yell at him. And he did. I mean, that doesn't make sense to us. That seems a little odd. In this case, they're all, they're all pretty chicken anyway, so they get rid of the fear. And so then I say, okay, God, we'll do whatever you want us to do. What is it? Go sing. Okay. I mean, what do you know? What do they do? I, that would be bad news, man, if I got up there and started singing. My microphone is never on when I sing up here. There's a reason. A little secret. Some of you are new. You never knew that. I, this thing was dead as a doornail. That's why when I got ready to talk, I'd always go. Because that way they could turn it up so you could hear me. It says, you will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourself. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. But then he says what again? Do not fear or be dismayed see do not fear why fear and faith don't mix do not fear and if you jump over to verse 20 at the end of verse 20 it says what believe in the lord your god and you shall be established believe his prophets and you shall prosper no fear do what believe see it's no fear act in what faith faith is in its definition is believing do you believe because if you believe, then you'll sing. If you'll believe, then you'll march around that thing seven times and you'll scream all you got to scream. See, if you believe, you'll raise your hands and you'll walk across dry land because you know the battle's not yours. It's whose? It's God's. And we'll finish up here in James in chapter 4. See, now realize, it didn't, it didn't say, they didn't, they, all, these, all three of these situations, they had to do something. See, they had to get out. Don't be afraid. The battle's not yours. It's 
the Lord's, but then go do something. See, there was always a something at the end of all of these things. And in James, in, in chapter 4, Pastor Pam was talking about it on Sunday. And it says, you know, as you go through there, Pastor Bill, you know, I say, you know, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, it doesn't say that. I mean, it does, but there's a part before that. There's a whole sentence before that that says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. And it's that idea that says, well, I just want to resist and see the devil flee. You know, I'm just going to quote scripture all day. Well, that's all right. If you're submitted to God. But if you're not submitted to God in your life, if you haven't got rid of fear in your life, if you haven't stepped into faith in your life, if you haven't asked God, what do you want me to do? See, if you haven't gotten into his battle plan and not your own, if you haven't said, okay, it's not my deal, it's your deal, God, what shall we do? That's submitted. Said, I'll do whatever you want. Then as you resist the enemy, he will flee. But if you're over here in your own world trying to do your own thing, and there's a lot of believers who are in this place, we're resisting for all we're worth, and the devil's doing nothing but just like ting, 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 ting. Have you ever played like, you know, sword fights with little kids? You just do this for a while. Or they run at you and you just put their hand on their head. And you're just holding them back. And believers are running all over the place and trying to fight. The enemy's just like, whatever. And it says we have all the dominion. It says we have all the power, all the authority. It says we have all of that over the enemy. Why can't we, why can't we get through? Why can't we press? Oh, it's, it's not my battle. It's God's battle. No, you're not doing what God asked you to do. And so you're over here trying to do all that. And it's like, you know, the enemy's just holding you back. And you're wearing out. You're getting tired. And then every now and then he kicks you good. Don't you get tired of those little kids sometimes? You know, they kind of get you a couple times and you say, that's right, boom, you push them down real good. <laughs> Look at Lori covering her eyes. That's what I do with some of her kids sometimes. But see, every, every, the devil, man, he, you start, then he, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. Then he take you out. Because you're in fear. You're not in faith. You're doing your thing, not God's thing. You're trying to fight the battle instead of knowing that the battle is not yours. You still have to go out and act in faith. You still have to go out and do what God asks you to do. But he's the one says the battle is not yours. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.